Hey guys, first I want to say thank you for listening to the GMS podcast. I have been MIA for the last couple months. I took a break and uh, honestly have been been pretty overwhelmed since about mid-July. So kind of uh, the things that have been going on with me or with GMS, uh, we moved. We moved our shop. We moved the company from Indiana to Washington. Uh, We packed up the shop, loaded it all into a 26-foot box truck, pulling a 12-foot trailer, and I started making a 42-hour drive to the beautiful Bellingham, Washington. It was a gorgeous drive across the country. Uh, That that was really enjoyable. 42 hours, though, in a box truck, not the not the, the greatest time I've ever had. But anyway, got that shop packed up, got it out to Bellingham, unloaded it, started setting up my new shop. Uh, right in the middle of that, we had the experience trade show that I was a part of and had a great time. So started prepping for that show, got down to Vegas, spent the week there, did, did that show. Um, came back to Washington, have been reaching out and finding some new local vendors for the company. That's been a a lot of fun meeting some new people and working with some new companies up here. And then I also just finished a generator power distribution system for Mr. Bob Frazee that will be shipping out this week to him. So with all of that now done, uh, that's been my, my past two months. I am excited to be back. Right now, I've got eight podcasts that are recorded that I just need to put out and another four scheduled. Some of our upcoming guests include Barry Costa, Darren Hudima, Chris Phelps, Peter Lyons. We're having a software day where I talk to as many of the software companies as I could while I was at the experience to find out what those guys are doing and how they're integrating with each other. And then we have a podcast that me and Eric Sprigg, Larry Wilberton, and John Isaacson got on where basically John just made us all laugh for an hour. It was it was a lot of fun. So, so I'm excited to be back. I'm excited to get these podcasts rolling again and back out to you guys. Uh, right now, aside from getting the podcast out, I am packing for my annual deer and antelope hunting trip in Wyoming, and I'm sure me and Colin Miller will jump on a podcast in the near future to uh, talk about that adventure. So again, appreciate everybody who is tuning in, who is listening, who is supporting. Thank you guys very much. And up now, enjoy the podcast with Robert Jackson from Kim Express. Welcome to the GMS podcast brought to you by GMS Distribution. GMS specializes in temporary portable power distribution equipment for the restoration contractor. I am your host and owner of GMS, Jarrett Steer, and today I will be talking to my friends. Hey, there we go. We are recording. All right. I I have Robert. I have you on the phone. How are you doing, man? Doing well. Doing well. Excited to be here. This is my first podcast, so hopefully I don't mess this up too much. Well, well, if you do, you'll be the first one and it'll be terrible. So try really hard. Not to know. <laughs> this is going to be pretty easy. So, yeah, so on the phone, Robert Jackson with Express Chem. Um, yeah, me and you have been talking back and forth uh, quite a while about just manufacturers talking about different things. Um, 
which distributor is the best, that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, uh, just picking your brain about a little stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we've been on the phone quite a bit, but I thought it'd be good for the, for my listeners to hear more about what, you know, what your company does and, and who you are and, and that kind of thing. But so why don't we start out? Um, why don't you give us some background, give us some, some history on you and what you're doing. And then we can just kind of go from there. Sure. Okay. So a little bit about Express Chem. Uh, we do, we're a chemical manufacturer out of St. Louis, Missouri. Um, we, it, it all started with Chemisphere Corporation. They're also in St. Louis. They're a sister company. Um, they do a lot of large scale uh, contract manufacturing. So making other people's products for them, uh, okay. custom blending, things like that. Uh, then they start about 15 years ago. They made their, they started making their own branded products and, uh, kind of broke off and that's how express chem started and now we are uh, a whole separate company um, but still very much intertwined uh, the owner of chemisphere has a minority ownership in express chem um, okay. we a lot of their products are made at our spot and a lot of our products are made over there but anyway so while a lot of people listening might not have heard of express chem um, chances are you've probably used a, a paint stripper or an adhesive dissolver or uh, a disinfectant that we might have made just didn't have our name on it because we were doing it for someone else. Okay. Um, so that's kind of why I started reaching out to you is we make our own branded products for um, asbestos abatement and lead abatement, uh, but we never really had anything for the water damage restoration world. Uh, that was one of the things when I took over uh, the, the environmental uh, branch of Express Chem. I always eyed this. We've been looking to do it for the last five years or so. We started this process. Um, COVID hit and that kind of pushed it back a little bit. Mm -hmm. We, we, we manufacture disinfectant wipes and hand sanitizer as well. Okay. Um, well, so you so guys got busy. Like, yeah. That ate up all of our bandwidth for, so the kind of the launch of some of the specialty cleaners and things like that, that we do for water damage restorations kind of got put on hold. Um, but now that's kind of coming at least somewhat back to normal. Uh, we're hitting the trade shows and getting the name out there uh, just so people can kind of, you know, get to know us and understand that there's a, there's another person out there that they can get some products from. Well, yeah. And well, and speaking of trade shows, you're at a trade show right now, right? Yep. The, uh, the Alliance of independent restorers who are out here in, uh, oh, uh Boulder, Colorado. Yeah. yeah. And I, I've never been to Boulder. It's a beautiful area. Oh my gosh. It's, I was there, um, like two years last year or two years ago when it was in Boulder and yeah. Oh, it's beautiful out there. Yeah, just and I like microbrews, so there's plenty of places there's to... There's plenty of that out there, yeah. Yeah. But it's a good show. Um, I like coming to a, a little smaller shows like this because you get a little bit more time with the, the, the people here, build a little bit of a deeper relationship, have some some longer conversations. So, uh, yeah. I mean, it just started this morning, but already last night, you know, lobby bars where most of that stuff takes place. I've right. met a bunch of guys and talking football and products and all kinds of stuff so it's good it's been good so far oh that's cool yeah i was i was hoping to get out there but i've got i'm moving my company this week so we're moving from from our fort wayne location packing everything up and driving it out to washington so i wasn't able to make that show but yeah it sounds like it's i mean you and uh, i talked to somebody else that's out there too and yeah it sounds like it was a it's a pretty good turnout and some good conversations already yeah absolutely yeah, very cool. So the chemicals that you guys are making, you said that you had to put some on hold because of COVID, but are those are they out now or are you still rolling out some or where where are you uh, at yeah. on that, that side? So we're, we're, the core of our products are out now. So Myco is the brand 
of our disinfecting cleaners for the restoration. You said Myco? Um, Myco, M-Y-C-O. In Nike, okay, yep. My, so, um, like Mike, M-Y-C-O. You can go to mycochemicals.com, and that's got it all. But the uh, okay. So we have a bunch of different disinfectants, a botanical disinfectant, the, the quad-based disinfectant, and concentrate and ready to use. So a lot of products that are uh, kind of similar to what's already out there. Um, and then we have some cleaners that are a little bit different. Uh, we have some hydrogen peroxide cleaners and some uh, bleach-based cleaners, you know, stain removers, things like that. And then we have uh, some degreasers, and uh, a little more specialty degreasers and cleaners coming out here shortly for uh, fire damage and for some like heavy soot stuff, as okay. well as uh, a real nice uh, like general all-purpose cleaner degreaser. Now, you rolled, you rolled all these chemicals out in one year? Yeah, yeah. Well, they've been in the works for a while. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, it, no, we're ready to roll with, uh, you know, if somebody wanted to order a truckload, I could get it for you. But yeah, it's uh, it's been an exciting time. It's been busy just because of everything that's been going on. But uh, it's been a, a project of mine for a while. That's cool, man. Well, it's nice to see, you know, projects like that. I mean, it sounds like that's a huge project, sounds like. Um, and for it to kind of be at this phase where it's it's here now, we can see it, we can touch it. That's That's a good feeling. Yeah, my wife's probably tired of me talking about it on the side. <laughs> because I'm, we do, you know, I've been selling and making like, paint strippers and adhesive dissolvers and things like that. And um, taking people's brains since I started with the company about seven years ago about the disinfecting side. Because I always knew we were going to get into it eventually. And mm-hmm. the products that they use over here and why they use certain products doing what. And that's actually, uh, Greg is a co-worker of mine, Greg Anderson. Uh, mm-hmm. But he was at the John Don in St. Louis. He was the general manager of John Don in St. Louis. And uh, we became friends just because of all my trips up there of trying out different products and asking him what he thought about different products and uh, things like that. So that was kind of a a reassurance, too, when uh, some things happened in, in Greg's life. And I was able to offer him a job and show him kind of behind the scenes of what we're doing. And he, he jumped aboard. He was excited. So I was like, all right, so someone else sees the, the potential here as well. Oh, very cool. Now, how long have you been at Express Chem? I've been at Express Chem eight years now. Eight years. Okay. Um, so not not super long. Um, I was actually going to get into law enforcement, and uh, this job kind of came up and ended up uh, doing well, liking it, could keep my nights and weekends for the most part, so uh, just kind of stayed with it. And now this would be, I don't see me ever leaving. It's a great company to work for. The ownership's great. How do you jump from law enforcement to disinfectants? Uh, Well, if you think like, not necessarily a sales guy, but um, a good police officer knows how to talk to people. He knows how to understand, empathize. Yeah. You know, um, and that's what a sales guy does. When you're helping your customers, you're, you're listening to them. You're trying to figure out their pain points. You're trying to help them. So that's why a lot of times you see some, you know, retired cops go on, you become really good car salesmen or things like that, because they, they know how to talk to people. They know how to relate. Um, coming, from military, coming from my military background and things like that, I, I relate really well. It's easy for me to talk to some blue collar guys. I come from a blue collar family background. Um, okay. So it just kind of, it just naturally fits. Um, and yeah, the, now I'm really happy with everything going on. I don't want to get too political with anything, but I'd much rather be selling chemicals than being a police officer right now. <laughs> yeah, un- I think unfortunately that's the case for a lot of a lot of people that are in law enforcement right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I'm still in the Missouri National Guard, and I'm a military policeman. Um, oh, okay. And so 
so I work on the National Guard side with tons of, uh, you know, police officers who are, that's what they do on the civilian side. I'm one of the few guys who doesn't do it on the civilian side as well. So I hear all the stories and all the different things. And yeah, it's just a different world now. Now, did you have to go out during any of the, um, I don't know, what do you, what do you even call it? The, the riots or anything? Did the you different have to go... civil unrest. Yeah. 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 Um, and actually I have protests. That's what I wanted to say. Protest. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've been on like 12 state emergency duties in my 14 years. Um, which is really high. Most people are like three or four until lately. But, uh, okay. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I was at all of them actually until recently, until I got into my new unit until about two years ago, but I was at everything. So like the first stuff with, with Michael Brown up in Ferguson, I, w- I was there. That was actually, I was engaged with my wife at the time and okay. we were at, we were at her birthday dinner at a, a nice Italian restaurant when I got the phone call that I had to go. So that was, uh, that put a downer on that. Now, when you get a phone call like that, like like you have to go, what, what's like your response time to something like that? Like, is that like we're leaving so we, tomorrow or like be here in an hour? When it's stuff like that, you kind of know what's coming. They'll send out some, you know, they'll give you a call and be like, hey. Give you some heads up. Sounds, yeah, like I, we're probably going to call you in a day or two and have you come in. So just go ahead and start packing. So we we knew it was coming. I mean, plus like CNN, I mean, it's when that first happened, like the very first issues in ferguson i mean the last time we had something like that was the la riot so it was like un crazy unseen like you've never seen anything like this before so um it was all over the news as i'm sure you know you knew right uh, so we kind of knew when that, we got the call my platoon sergeant said yeah we're probably going to get called to go to this and that's the issue is like do i tell my wife where she sits there for the next couple of days worried about it or i don't tell her but <laughs> So what do, you, what do you decide you know, in that situation? Bad news doesn't get better with time. So I just let her know and said, we'll just deal with it when it happens. Now, what's up, what are some of the other things that you've responded to or some of the other events? Uh, so floods. Uh, I've thrown sandbags all over the state of Missouri. Um, okay. I, there's actually some funny stories like um, Birds Point Levee down in southeast Missouri it was the first time in, I don't know, like 50 or 60 years. And I almost think the the court case went to the Supreme Court, but they blew up a levee on purpose to flood land in Missouri. So it wouldn't flood uh, the town in Illinois. So that was interesting. Fun, yeah. To, they purposely uh, to just like lower the, the, the water level. So that was a fun uh, couple of days walking through all this farm so we, I was part of the the group that would we would go to all these homeowners and knock on their door and uh, assist them in leaving because the government was about to flood their land. So those conversations were uh, were not not the not the best well received, but uh, we got through it and helped them. And but yeah, no, it was just it. That's a crazy thing. Never thought I'd see something like that. So it's basically just a just an assessment of like we can't flood a town, but we can flood fifty farms. Yeah, yeah, it's basically like that. And that and those farms, like that area, they, I, I, from my understanding, they flood all the time, uh, just not to the degree that was about to take place. Okay. And it's not like a man-made thing that was going to happen, you know? <laughs> like, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, we're choosing to flood it. Um, but, yeah, that was that was interesting. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. crazy. Yeah, there's all kinds of crazy floods. Like, I think there's a guy out of one of my flood duties – I heard about a story. There's a guy, he's like the only one in the history of the United States. He's convicted of a federal crime for um, creating a natural disaster. He 
purposely blew up a levy to like keep him from getting in trouble. He was cheating on his wife or something and he needed to get home, but he needed an excuse. So he broke the levy and caused like a town to flood. <laughs> yes, you can, you can look it up. I Googled it like, the He's other day. He's cheating on his wife and... I, yeah, like, that was my, what I heard from the story. But like, yeah, he's hundred percent. He's in prison for it. Like, he's still in in jail in Jeff City uh, for creating a natural disaster. So he blows it, floods the city, <laughs> and that's like, honey, I couldn't get home because the the and roads his, were flooded. <laughs> and his wife never finds out he had a girlfriend. It worked. Uh, I'm sure some. I'm sure she still found out. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure if, well, he's already this smart to blow a levy. So yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he blew it I, other ways too. And, yeah, yeah. There's, I'm, I'm sure there was intoxic, you know, some some level of drugs or beer somehow involved with that decision making as well. <laughs> now, how long have you been? Well, I guess how did how did you start in the military? So uh, that well, because the original goal was to get into law enforcement. So I went to I'm a okay. I have a criminology and criminal justice degree, um, and was going through all the process to to. Um, you know, apply for different police forces and some federal agencies. And um, actually, I was like to the second round of DEA stuff. Um, oh, really? When okay. when this when this job really started to take off, and my relationship with my now wife uh, got a little more serious. So I, I, it kind of got like a crossroads where I needed to almost pick one because um, if I joined the DEA, they're going to send me all over the place. Sure, but um, it, the uh, the outcome for working here and doing here is a little less stressful and um, was going to compensate me the same, if not more. So it, it was just a, a, just a different transition. Never thought it was coming, but I, I'm extremely happy with it now. Yeah. So you, but you stayed, you stayed military police while you've been at express cam. Yeah. Yeah. And the owner, he's actually, he's won the, they call it the Patriot award three different times. Um, he's extremely supportive of myself, and actually, we've had a few other people work at Express Chem or some of the other companies that he owns that are in the National Guard. Um, he's been super supportive of, you know, when I have to get called up to do this stuff, right. um, when knowing that I got to go out of town sometimes to do stuff, you know, like I got to go do two weeks of training here, two weeks of training there, things like that. Um, he, he, he's always, you know, as supportive as I, I don't know how an employer couldn't be. Uh, more supportive than him uh donates yeah we'll have like christmas parties and stuff like that and it's kind of fun for you know we're figuring out who's going to bring what and i'll just say like i have dessert and they're like what i was like no my owner's just going to buy enough desserts for everyone i'll just cover dessert and you guys worry about everything else and i'll go and you know spend a couple thousand dollars see 400 people yeah oh that is cool yeah that is very cool so now with the with well, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it, it's interesting, but yeah, no, it's, um, there is a ton of like, when, so what I do now is I train, um, people already in the army, they call it MP reclass, but people who are already in the army, but they're changing their jobs to military police. So they were a truck driver, a mechanic, infantry, whatever before, and now they're becoming military police. So it's kind of like, um, I have tons of stuff on the sales side or what I do here on the business side that, um, I use to relate to them to help them understand what we're trying to do and vice versa. There's stuff I bring back to where uh, I'll talk to, to my guys, the guys that I work with in, on express Kim about different topics and different things and things like that. So it, there, there's a, a little more carryover than, sure. uh, than you would think on the, on the surface level. Well, I mean, a lot of, 
a lot of any job is just communication. And so, yeah, uh, yeah I could see, I mean, yeah, a lot of, a lot of carry over there um, with what you guys are doing. Well, your young guns, one of the gentlemen you had from Crown Restoration. Um, yeah. He nailed it perfectly. The way he was uh, like a, talking to the customer and sometimes they want the X's and O's. Sometimes they, I got to be someone who's a little more sympathetic and listen to them for a little while. You know, like that's exactly reads what it, you got to do. Yeah, yeah. Reads the room. He'd be a great sales guy. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it does. It does over. It overlaps more than I originally thought. Um, but yeah, when you start thinking about it, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of those those core skills are just, yeah, a little bit of EQ or a lot of EQ. That's what, and that's why COVID was tough. Uh, you know, some of your other guests have talked about it too, but you just don't get that from a, a phone call or from a, a Zoom meeting or things like that. You can't. Right. Especially if you're starting something new. Like uh, a lot of times when I talk to people, they, who are you again? Express Kim. And I, you know, the spiel that I did this time, I kind of have to go over. I don't have to do it as much if I'm talking to guys in the lead or uh, asbestos world, but definitely the restoration world. A lot of people don't know who we are. Um, and so I, you know, it takes a little bit to, but having that first conversation over the phone, you know, a lot of the guys aren't open to it. They don't necessarily, I don't have time for this. So, and I get it, but it's just harder. It's much easier to show up, say hi, and, you know, have that conversation with them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So now what's, what's kind of next for you? I mean, if you have, I mean, rolling this project out, what's next at work? Where, where are you going? So we have a couple of different, uh, my biggest thing is trying to get set up with uh, the larger distributors. Every distributor does it a little different. Um, you can get our products through inline distributing right now. Okay. Um, they've been great. Uh, we're working with John Don, uh, Greg, you know, being, it's just some of the, you know, some of the distributors, all you need is a, a customer to say, Hey, I want to get this and the distributor get it. Some of them, you got to work things out on the, on the corporate level first. So just kind of moving through that. We're also getting um, different stuff set up with different uh, franchises and things like that. Uh, like Advanaclean, we were setting up something for all the all the Advanaclean's all the Advanaclean franchisees and things like that. So yeah. just kind of going through it. Over just just uh, got our booth for the experience. That was the other thing is now doing all these shows and just hitting the road, trying to just get the the awareness out that that we're out there and we have products that are. Uh, pretty much identical to what you're already using and then we also have some products that definitely kind of set us apart and uh coming up we got um like i said the two uh cleaner degreasers i'm really excited about one for um like fire damage the real heavy soot to clean um and then one general one uh that you just for everyday use and then we have uh some coatings i don't want to talk too much about it until we're a little bit closer to the final yeah but we're really excited about some of the the science and the application methods for some of the coatings we got coming out the antimicrobial coatings um gonna really it's uh different than a lot of things out there in a, in a really cool fun way well you, now you're leaving us hanging we were <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah no i i don't want to give anything yeah sorry well stay tuned but it, it'll <laughs> be tuned. it'll be out it, it'll be out shortly it just and will there's it, so much. Will it be out like, by the experience? Yeah, I think so. Or at least I'll I'll have enough to talk about it and show it and things like that. The uh, um, there's just so much uh, on the back end. So like when we do product, when we do contract manufacturing, that's easy. I don't do any product support. I just hey, I can make this for you. Here's a price if you want it this much, and I'll do it. There's no like I don't have to worry. I don't mess with the EPA for things like that. I don't. 
mess yeah. with different. Yeah. But when it's our own products, there's a lot more work involved because we're in charge of the product development, and everything else. So there's just some of these things when it's uh, registered with the EPA, just take a little while. Um, because I don't know how familiar you are with it, but you can get a product registered with the, the on the federal level. But then if you want to sell it nationwide, you got to go and register it in all 50 states and oh, different wow. states have. Yeah. And different states have different different ways of doing things, different, uh, you know, state of California might dislike the sentence that you have on your label and the state of Indiana thinks it's okay. And so you got to figure out how to make them both happy. So that it's just, just, there's a, and each state's individual. Yeah. You deal with some of the states are super easy to deal with. Some of the states, California, Indiana, Florida, New York, um, can be easy or it can be a nightmare. Huh? No, yeah. I didn't, so I you didn't deal, know that process. Yeah, no, there's a, there's a, yeah, that's the, every, the more, you know, like, it's kind of funny like that, especially on the contract manufacturing, I'll talk to people. I was like, Oh, we'd like to have our own disinfectants. I was like, okay, well, here's what we're going to have to do. And they're like, I got to do all that just to start selling it. It's like, yep. Wow. <laughs> or maybe, maybe we won't have our own branded disinfectant. Yeah. That sounds like a ton of work. Yeah, and there's fees involved. Like you have to give certain states a certain amount of money every year, regardless if you sell a gallon to the state. And in certain states, you have to you pay a certain uh, a tax based off how many gallons you sell to that state and things. So there's there's all kinds of stuff on the back end that that uh, you have to put more work into. Um, and with COVID and everything else, it's, it was hard to hire people too, just to get some some more support. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, I have I didn't know any of that, but yeah, that sounds like a that's a just that right there's a big project. Yeah, the hardest thing is the labels getting getting labels that all the states are okay with and you're okay with is and approved and ready to go. Because we're not trying to say anything wrong or do anything wrong. It's not worth it. And, yeah. But some of these states, like we're talking, oh you. You can't say that, or like, I want you to change this tile to tiles, like plural, <laughs> and like just like oh, that little, okay. like that small. Yeah, of a... like, okay, I'll change that, and then, well, now I got to go tell all the other states that this is changing from tile to tiles, and now they're, okay and they're relooking at yeah, like it. So it's we ended up getting a, a third party company that specializes in it to kind of deal just, with some of that. Say, like, how long does something like that take? Uh, who knows? I, it's a, it's a lot. It's an, it's an undertaking, especially with new products like this. That's the thing. If they're, if they're already set up and they're already there, it's kind of easy, but, um, all of this is all new for us and everything else. So it it takes a second. I kind of mean on my end with the manufacturing electrical and we have our UL listing and, you know, we have to submit it and get it tested. And then, yeah, they tell me all of the, all the verbiage I need to have on the product and the warnings and the labels and, uh, you know, we go we go through that, but I think that's about I mean eight or nine month process for a brand new uh, product. And then if you want to add anything to your file, it's I mean it can be anywhere from two to six months depending on how difficult it is. But um, but yeah, I mean that's just we just deal with one. I'm just dealing with one person, and and we get it. I can't I couldn't imagine dealing with fifty. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, and these companies that you can hire to do it, they that's their job, so they know exactly how to do it they know who's going to have the problems with what and things like that so they can anticipate some of those things so it it, it works out 
yeah, it's definitely, it's a whole different world. Like it's, it's not, I, you know, I sell a lot of paint strippers and adhesive dissolvers and I can do whatever I want for the most part. There's none of this stuff. So it's, it was a learning curve for, uh, for all of us as we were kind of going through this process. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. Oh, now what about on your, on your military side? Where are you going there? So I go to Fort Leonard Wood. That's where we have, so that the, um, police academy was what i was trying to get at before it's like an army police academy um so twice a year we put on those the classes and i'm an instructor at the class so uh it's not like a regular line unit where you have um you know 130 different people there's just there's 22 instructors and we put on uh two or three classes a year of uh what they call mp class so we're just teaching people um but then i'll i'll travel around different spots for uh different ongoing training for myself uh, okay. I was at Fort Knox a couple months ago and I'll probably be, there's a, uh, another class, uh, out in California that I'll probably go to next year outside of what I'm doing. So there's that, there's a, there's some traveling around with that, but it's kind of fun too. Cause sometimes I'll, uh, while I'm there, I'll, I'll double dip. I'll, you know, on my off time, I'll kind of drive around or look around and see what, uh, see what's going on. Uh, one of the first customers we had was a, uh, a customer that I was on flood duty at. We were st- we were sleeping in the high school that got flooded upstairs. Okay. And uh, and the company that came in to do the water damage restoration for the high school, I just you know I was like, hey, we're gonna we're starting this line. This was a couple of years ago. Like, but I, I'd love to talk to you guys and see what you're using and blah blah blah. And that they're a customer now. So sometimes it works out to where I can uh, kind of do two things at once. No, I know that's always a nice thing, and I, and I try to do that whenever I'm traveling too, just about, just to, to maximize my time and where i'm at but yeah that's that's nice that whenever you're you're traveling for that you can also get some work in too yeah or i got a buddy who's in guantanamo bay right now the uh, elsa coming through I was like how bad did it flood there he's, he's like not too bad i was like all right if anyone shows up to like start doing stuff take some pictures of the companies that are showing up and let me know <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll make my I'll, I'll make my army buddies help out too oh that's great doing recon for you exactly yeah now, what's now, I don't know a lot about military police. Well, I don't know that I know a lot about law enforcement at all. But um, what's work? What's like a? What's the, is there a difference between, I guess, like the sheriff and the military police? No, uh, just military police. When you're not in a combat environment, is is just like a police officer, um, just in the you know, on post. Just okay. because we have a okay. we have a a different kind of set of rules, we have a little bit of our own different customs and things like that and ways of doing stuff. So um, that was partly why they started their, their own little police force. Um, and then when you're deployed, usually what you're doing is either force protection. So you're like um, guarding the, the bases or things like that, or you're doing like uh, convoy protection or um, just keeping routes secure and things like that to, to help logistics, things like that. So it sounds like or, more of a specialized yeah yeah it's it, the the joke mp is multi-purpose because we kind of get thrown at everything we gotta we gotta know how to do a lot of stuff outside of that you got a lot going on yeah well so i hear your other podcast and you guys have like all this fun stuff about hunting and things like that i have three kids under four and then with the <laughs> national guard and all of this i was like i don't have any hobbies like I used to, you know, make my own beer and go hunting with some of my army buddies and things like that. I haven't done anything in four years. And I can't blame COVID for that. 
you, you have three kids <laughs> under the age of four? Yes. Yeah. Four-year-old, a uh, three-year-old, and uh, a one-year-old. Dude, those are some really fun ages, though. Yeah, it's a blast. We ju- we were uh, just went to Disney a couple weeks ago, like two weeks before the RIA show. We were at, okay. in Orlando for Disney. Yeah, no, it's a blast. I, the kids are great. I don't, my poor wife, that was the hardest thing. Uh, I don't know about you, but COVID, man, she was, things went nuts. And basically for the first six months from March on, she was like a single mom. Like I was there, but I wasn't there. I was working so much. And she, yeah. she's a teacher, so she was working from home if the school was even going on and things like that. And so that was the hardest time for us. We we had three arguments probably in our entire relationship before COVID, and we were averaging one a week during COVID just like just because there was so much stress and so much going on. It, it's all better now, but it was just yeah. that, that was the hardest part. Well, no, it definitely tested and, and stressed some people. I don't, I don't mean included. Um, I for me, it was just. I don't know. Like I'm used to, I'm, I'm used to just going places and doing stuff and seeing people. And it was like, I was just like, I felt like I was just locked in a room. Like I was almost like in jail every day or something. Like I'm just like locked in a room for weeks and weeks. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. It finally, it finally got to me. I was pretty cranky. Yeah. I think I was too. Um, and, and then it, it's like the sad stuff too, with the kids. Like it was, I saw it affect not like they're young enough to where they don't realize what's going on. Like they yeah. don't know what they're missing. But then like, I'll see it. Like they're playing with their, their, their toys or whatever. And like, Oh, okay, let's do this. Like, we're going to go to Walmart to pick up the groceries and park in number six. Instead of like, that's what their imagination was because that's all we were doing was going to pick up our, you know, that was the only time they left the house was to go, to go like, get the to, groceries yeah or something like that it wasn't like let's go to the zoo because you know we didn't go to the zoo at all for right. a while you know so there's just so you saw like affect some of stuff like that and that was kind of sad now is it, missouri is everything pretty much opening back up and yeah yeah they are um this new delta variant's hitting some parts of missouri kind of hard so i think there might be some uh maybe some mass mandates coming back okay. um and and some uh uh, as far as like uh, occupancy levels for different restaurants and gyms and things like that. But um, for the most part, everything's back to normal. Um, yeah. It's although half the gyms, like my gym closed and it's, it's gone. It's not reopening. So some Uh-oh. of the stuff is just gone forever. Yeah. Yeah. I'm noticing some of that too. I don't know. I don't know that I have anything that's directly. Well, actually no, like my favorite, uh, one of my favorite restaurants in Fort Wayne uh, ended up. Yeah. They ended up closing, and that's too bad. It's too bad. There was a, I mean, a lot of places that that weren't able to make it through, make it through COVID. Or you just saw a lot of early retirements or something. Like if there's an old family that owned that restaurant, and they were thinking about retiring anyway. It's like, yeah, we'll just pull it, yeah, pull it's it time. down. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I did see some signs like that too. But and yeah. then the planes—that's something I didn't realize. That have you flown anywhere lately? Like with all the delays that's going on. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, I fly, I fly since, let's see, since about October. Uh, yeah, I've, I've probably been in four cities a month. So yeah, flying, so flying a ha- lot. Yeah. Getting the pilots all trained up and ready to, you know, the hours they need to, to be the main pilot and things like that, I guess, is one of the things I didn't even think about, but during COVID they didn't fly at all. Or, and they didn't do a lot of training so and stuff. So hours. They, yeah, so that, that's part of the – I saw a thing on the news where they were talking about that's part of the reason why there's all these delays. It's just – it's uh, 
it's a pilot readiness shortage. I say I've noticed I've noticed the flights um, becoming more expensive. I have noticed that, and, I mean, and obviously everything's getting busier um, and full, you know, f- completely full flights now. Where I remember I was on, there was one plane I flew on from, I think, Seattle to Indianapolis. Uh, I don't know when this would have been. It would have probably been in, like, May or June. Um, me and two other people on a, on a plane that probably held 120 people. Yeah. I was, that was crazy, but now... Now it's uh, you know full flights. Yeah, no, they're booked. Like it's crowded everywhere. Yeah, well, I th- people are just ready to get out and go and go see stuff or do stuff. A hundred percent. Yeah, that's. I'm hoping that helps out this industry kind of getting back to normal because it seemed like some people did all right, some people did really good, and other people just like, you know, it was it was a hard time. I know in the, the lead and asbestos abatement worlds, they were some of those companies, a lot of our customers were down like 30, 40% just because all the jobs were on pause because they didn't know how funding was going to shake out for these like commercial and government buildings that they do a lot of work in and things. So hopefully it's all starting to somewhat get back to normal. I'll say that was what I heard too. Like a lot of the schools and stuff just, you know, just stopped. Um, and yeah, so a lot of those contracts and things just weren't. All those jobs were just put, yeah, like you said, just put on hold, put on pause. But yeah, hopefully it, hopefully it all comes back. I know one of the things they were talking about is, you know, a lot of the, and I don't know if it's happened, but some of the buildings that have just been closed up for months, going back in, there's going to be mold. From yeah, I could see that. So I don't know if that's, I don't know if that started to happen yet. Um, I, I would think, I think pretty much everybody in the country is back into the workplace if they, if they had one. Um, but yeah, I don't know if, I don't know if that, if that ever came, if that ever came about where there's a lot of mold jobs now because of that, because buildings just sat for so long empty or, or not. I haven't heard. Yeah. The, um, I should have brought up, I try my best to, to bring this up every time someone brings up St. Louis and, uh, and Ferguson and things like that, just to run random things. St. Louis gets a I, public announcement. St. Louis gets a bad rap about our crime rate. St. Louis and Baltimore are the only two cities where the county and the city don't share crime statistics. So it's always inflated. So like a lot of times if you put St. Louis County, St. Louis city together, their crime statistics, they're like usually about average or maybe a little bit above average as far as crime rate. But sometimes, so when you see that St. Louis is like the murder capital of the, the U S it's because we don't count the County in the statistics, same thing for Baltimore. So I got to put that PSA out there. <laughs> St. Louis is like any other city. There's there's parts you don't want to hang out in, but it, it's a it's a good town to come in and hang out in and see and catch a Cardinals game or whatever. I'll say I had I've had fun when I've been to Kansas or not Kansas City, St. Louis. Um, yeah, I've had a I've had a good time. We went down. Now this would have been when the Rams were still playing. Um, we came down for a Titans game and and watched uh, watched the Titans and Rams. And that was fun. But yeah, we came came down and had dinner and a lot of beer, a lot of beer in St. Louis. Yeah, well, Anheuser Busch being right there. Yep. When you it said, comes there, there's a bunch of caves. That's where it all starts from. Is Missouri and St. Louis has got a lot of these huge limestone caves. So okay. back in like the early, uh, you know, teens and 1920s and 30s, uh, when refrigeration, mass refrigeration wasn't around, they could brew the the beer in these caves where it was cold. Oh, really? Yeah, so that's why that's why Anheuser Busch makes a lot of lagers because if you're going to make a 
getting a little technical, but it's gotta uh, be cold. Yeah, yeah, the lager's got to be cold when you make them. The the top fermenting yeast or whatever. So that's why they, yeah, a lot of them were were made around St. Louis because they have these huge caves that they can make them in where it was always cold. That's I did not know that. That's pretty cool. And then, and then when InBev bought Anheuser Busch, you had a mass exodus of people from Anheuser Busch in the Louis area that had knowledge about how to make beer or run beer companies or whatever. And that's why you saw a huge boom. St. Louis has got tons of microbrews now. And it's because a lot of these guys all used to be in the business and they just started their own thing. Swain did their own. Yeah. Now you said you, you'd made some beers before? Like, yeah, I used to. Uh, Used to do like a batch every every six months or so, just in the basement, you know, five gallons, yeah, things like that. But yeah, no, it's fun. I I enjoy it. I haven't had a chance to do it in a while because when you when you boil it, you gotta like watch it because it'll it'll if it overflows, you're gonna it's gonna be a sticky residue everywhere. So <laughs> I have to like, but it's so hard with three little kids. Like I can't have two hours of like, unless I do it at night. I I need two hours of like just watching this hanging out right next to it, and that just can't happen three kids running around i know i me and my brother-in-law he does he does more than i do i was basically like he brewed the beer i was there while he did it and lifted things that was pretty much my my (laughs) role in the brewing beer but um yeah we did probably i I bet we did about 10 probably 10 different batches over a couple years um but yeah getting that getting that boil and everything's got to be so just so precise and it's a, it's a lot of work, a lot of work that goes into that. I know we were, I think, I think we would set aside like six hours for like a start to finish. Um, sure. And yet cleaning is the biggest thing. Just making sure everything's sanitized and clean. And yeah, that's, that'll be what ruins everything. Well, and that's, yeah, that's the thing. You can put all that work in to have it ruined two weeks later. You know, you don't know it. You don't know it until later. And then it's like, oh, never mind. Throw this away. Start over. Did you guys ever have a bad batch? We had one. Yeah. We had one. We had one bad batch. Um, I can't remember what. Well, we were using a we were using a new fermenter, and I, I don't think it. I don't think it sealed up like we thought it would. And gotcha. Yeah, yeah. We had one. We had one that went bad on us, and then we were just getting ready to get into some loggers and um, you know looking at getting a freezer and then putting the temperature gauge on it and. Oh, you guys were getting after starting, it, okay. And starting to do it. But we did do some loggers in the winter. We would, you know, just put them in the garage when it was cold. And yeah. we could, you know, we'd do them then. Um, yeah, we started We started to get into into it a little more. And then, I don't know, we just, I, at some point I'm like, this is a lot of work when I can just go <laughs> to the store and buy a, <laughs> buy a six-pack <laughs> sure. of beer. Sure. <laughs> Well, because then, I mean, like, you know, you have to, you wait so long and then the bottling it and I don't, man, it's just a never ending process. And then we had, well, we had one, that one batch went bad. We had another one where, uh, the, the fermenter broke. We had a glass, a glass jar, you know, big five gallon, I think, yeah, it was a five gallon glass jug. And, uh, carboys. Yeah. 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 And, um. Yeah, my my sister. I think it was my sister. Uh, when she was vacuuming, like she said, she just touched it, and the thing just just went. So that was that was a whole mess. Um, which now I don't know why it was in their living room, but anyway, um, it, 
but yeah, we lost that one. And then, so I get to a point where I'm like, I'm so for me, like I'm all about efficiency. Like I want, and so yeah, well, we're like throwing batches away and ruining batches. I'm like, okay, that, this isn't efficient anymore. I'm just gonna go to the liquor store. Yeah. No, I, I did the math one time and I was like, oh, see, honey, it's cheaper if I make my own. And just, but not counting time investment or if I do mess something up or things like that. Right. Yeah, I think you can. Yeah, if you're not counting your time, yeah, it's cheaper, but gosh, yeah. Or at least after your first couple of batches, once you reuse those bottles and everything a few times. Well, then, you know, and then you get a good batch and it's great. Then you get one that's like, I mean, we had them, you know, they come out and it's like, oh, this one's not very good, but I got to drink it anyway because I have it. (laughs) Yeah. Or you take a trip over and all your friends will drink it and they don't like appreciate it like you hope they would. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you take something over there and it's like, it's like, yeah, it kind of tastes like Bud Light. You're like, no, it doesn't <laughs> taste like Bud Light. <laughs> Give that back. You don't deserve that. Yeah, yeah, you don't get any more. It's a Kolsch. You don't get any more. <laughs> yeah. Well, now you just spend all your time going and hunting bears and stuff. I did. I have switched hobbies for sure. Yeah, I, I started uh, started hunting about four years ago out west. Now, I've hunted, I've hunted an Indiana archery out of a tree stand for white-tailed deer. Uh, for, sure probably 12 years 15 years now um but then just started going out west and then since we moved to seattle and getting out to washington i mean oh my gosh yeah there's mountains and trails and everything you could ever want out there so yeah going after i've went i've went bear hunting twice um i I did get a bear last year a little uh, he's a real little bear but He's my bear. I was proud of it. And <laughs> this year, though, did this year was not the which you can go back and listen to our my spring bear hunt podcast if you haven't listened to that. Um, not not the greatest trip. We didn't do so well this time, but we learned a lot. So we'll go next year and do better. I hope. Yeah, I don't get too big into. I've gone hunting a few times for the white-tailed deer, but all my army buddies in the middle, like that, they just live for it—the deer season and stuff. Yeah, like they'll be like right now. They're showing me pictures of the deers that are going around their their hunting areas and things like that. So oh, I was getting trouble set up. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And so they'll show me all these tons of points, and and then like once deer season rolls around, I start seeing the pictures of them. I was like, none of these are the ones you guys were showing me earlier. What happened to those big ones? How come? How come they're all little? I saw it. I get a kick out of giving them trouble about their uh, <laughs> misadventures. Well, yeah, you're just giving them a hard time. They're already disappointed, but you're just giving it to them again. Oh, yeah. I was like, I thought you were a good shot. What happened? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Aren't you on Aren't you on the SWAT team? What? Why? Did they, is it just easy to become that? I guess. <laughs> Should I go try out for that? Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, because yeah, they're, the, yeah, they're all your army buddies. They're already shooting and... Yeah, there are most of them. Yeah, but we have a few. It, it runs the gamut. Like my in my unit right now, there's we got a couple of St. Louis County guys. One of them is on the SWAT team. There's some KC police, Missouri State Troopers. But then we have like a uh, a park ranger, and okay. uh, and then you know the chemical salesman. Into the... <laughs> <laughs> so what? Well, you said you hobbies. What were you doing before you got married and before you had kids? Uh, a lot of softball, a lot of sports, things oh, like okay. that. Traveling. Doing the... That was... But that was kind of it. There's nothing nothing too crazy. Nothing that has that many 
many good stories about it or things like that. So yeah. Well, I mean, I softball, softball can like get three pretty or four crazy, times. right? Yeah, I, I mean, I was never like our teams were never super competitive, but we all liked it. So, I mean, there was I, a lot of time I was playing uh, three, four times a week. Now, was the was the league though you were in? Because I think if I don't, I haven't played softball, but I've been to a couple of softball games, and it seems like you're either it's a very competitive league and you know, you're trying to win or you're just getting drunk. Yeah, no, it's, it, it has to be like, for me, it's gotta be like that. Like if I'm going to go play softball, I, it, for me, it's like two modes. Like I'm going to try as hard as I can because this team's trying to win and we're all trying to win or I don't care what happens. Let's just have some fun. But when you have the issues is when you have a bunch of guys on your team that are, you know, trying to be, uh, you know, all-stars but you're in a team or you're in a league where that no one cares no one so cares. it's like yeah <laughs> dude get over it like yes i missed the cutoff guy and guess what i'm gonna miss the cutoff guy in the next throw too so <laughs> yeah, like, why didn't you dive for that ball because i'm not ozzy smith i'm not gonna be diving for a diving ball, for a ball. <laughs> yeah because that was what we that that was my biggest hobby was just playing sports like that I've got a I've got a cousin that uh, he plays. I think it's all. No, you know what it is. He plays kickball. He plays in a kickball league. Yeah, and, and I'll I don't kickball. You know, I'll, I'll see him or whatever, and and he'll have shorts on, and his legs just strawberry, just all messed. Yeah. Up. I'm like, what did you do? He's like, oh, sliding at kickball. I'm like, why are you sliding at kickball? <laughs> That, that's the difference between a double and a triple right there. You just got to get 30 for it. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. No, I actually played in some of those. That's uh, um, kind of how I met my wife was uh, one of those adult kickball leagues. But oh, yeah, really? We would, yeah, there's a, a big uh, big league set up in, in uh, St. Louis City. And I had a lot of friends on different teams and stuff like that. But it's, it's fun. If you ever get a chance to play, it's it's uh, – it's definitely, especially at least the, the leagues that we were in, real laid back and have fun. But it's kind of fun to have, to play kickball all over again. Would you slide? Were you a slider? No, I would not. Yeah, I don't think I would. I, well, I know I wouldn't. I would just be like, oh, I'm out. Okay. But my leg doesn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> now, when I, there was times in softball where I slid back. If it was a team where we tried, but then – I just I got tired of ruining sheets. That's the thing; those things break back open when you move. So then you get blood all over your sheets or whatever when you're sleeping. Yeah. So you just you just wear baseball pants now, or don't slide. Or just don't slide. Yeah. I think I'm just getting I'm just I'm just getting too old for a lot of those things to where it's sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I gotta I'm, be more careful. I'm, things hurt I'm 38. longer. Yeah, I'm 38. So like, that I am not. If it's a, a line drive, you know, I'm playing third base and there's a, a hard hit grounder, I'm not getting in front of it. I'm not doing what I teach my son to do. <laughs> so, I am laying from the side, and if it gets by me, it gets like I'm not taking that in the chest or the teeth. Oh, yeah, we were flag flipping. Yeah, it's like, why didn't you dive? Dive? I couldn't dive at any wrong league. Go somewhere else. This is like yep. the old guy league. But we would have. Um, I know on, on our team we had like five guys that we all graduated together. So all of us are now. This would have been a couple of years ago. So like all of us were like thirty seven when we were playing, and then, but we're like getting old enough to where you know our kids or some of our kids' friends 
you know, they would want to play, and they'd want to play on our team with us. And and they're all just crazy competitive. <laughs> we're, you know, we had, a, we had I remember we had a talk once because it was like you know some game and it was a close game and then some of the kids got into it with the other the other team and people started throwing stuff on the bench and we're all looking at each other like what did we just do to ourselves like we used to just <laughs> we used to just come out here and have a good time and high five each other you know? yeah it's different people play, people play differently but I'm. I'm the old I'm the old person that just wants I'm just like I'm just out here to move around and have a little bit of fun. Yeah. Or now it well if there's like a team getting together and they ask me to play, it's like I'm gonna play, but just this is like laid back, right? We're gonna set the <laughs> set the tone right now and making sure that I'm signing up for what I'm signing up for. You're getting what you're asking for. Right. Well cool me well, was there anything else you wanted to I know we're coming we're coming up on an hour, so no, uh, just I appreciate you having me on. Every everyone out there, you know, uh, MYCO, Myco, Microchemicals. You know, take a look at us. Um, you can buy direct from us, or you can uh, get it through your distributors. We'd be happy to, to work with your distributors to get them. But we have uh, a bunch of different products, similar to what you're using, or uh, some different products that kind of set us apart. And we'd love to have that conversation and see what we can do to help you out. Well, that's cool. Well, I'll put the I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, do you want to leave uh, an email or anything if anybody wants to get a hold of you? Yeah, uh, R Jackson at expresschem.com. C H E M as a chemical. R Jackson at expresschem.com. Cool. I'll leave that in the notes too. So if anybody wants to reach out to you, they can they can do that. Well, man, I really appreciate you taking the time today and uh, you know stepping out of that out of that show to talk with us. And man, good talking to you, bud. Yeah, we'll do it again. I'm sure I'll see you at one of these shows that are coming up, and I know yeah. I have a. I'll be on the West Coast. Uh, I'm sure soon as well. Well, and if you ever get out to Seattle, let me know. We'll definitely. I, I'll definitely meet up with you there. Um, but it sounds like you'll be at the experience. I'll be there also. So we will. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, we'll definitely meet up there too. All right. Sounds good, man. Appreciate All right. It. Hey, thank you. Thank you.